Thanks, guys. Be turning to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. As you read through the New Testament, beginning in the New Testament, you understand the four Gospels all deal with the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Each of us gives, each of them gives a, a different perspective uh, based on uh, the life of Jesus. Now, Two would give us an eyewitness account, that is Matthew and John. And of course, their gospel was shaped by their perspective on their real life experiences with Christ as also the intended purpose of the gospel and the intended recipients, who they of course intend, uh, perceived was going to be reading the gospel. Two of the uh, gospel writers, Mark and Luke, they receive their information from others. Mark, as church tradition and other historical writings point out, received his information from Peter. Luke, in his introduction, says that he interviewed a lot of people. So that's, therefore, we realize that they did research and they compiled their gospel based on what other people had said. And of course, especially with Luke, he interviewed quite a few folks. And we know based on the narrative we've read this morning, Mary was one of those people because of the personal things that are indicated about her feelings, and uh, we'll be looking at that, of course, as we go through the Christmas narrative. But I want to look at Matthew and his perspective and where he starts with the Christmas story. We've taken it kind of chronologically in the New Testament. You start with Zacharias because, of course, the angel came to Zacharias, told him of the forerunner. And then, of course, we deal with the angel coming to Mary. And now we deal with, of course, the third narrative in the Christmas story chronologically, and that would be the angel coming and speaking to Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated is God with us. Then Joseph aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. There are things here we need to learn about you and about ourselves. We ask we would find some things in this passage of scripture uh, that would help us to confront our own selves when we deal with life and with circumstances and our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, Matthew, of course, based much of his gospel on real-life experiences with Jesus Christ. But we know in, th 
these writings, he had to do some research, of course, because he wasn't there when these things happened. So he did some research, and obviously he had talked to Mary also. But he also did other research. This research is revealed in the first 17 verses of this chapter, and that is the genealogy of Jesus. Now, a lot of times when you get to the Old Testament, you start looking what I call the begats, and you start looking at this long list of somebody's family tree. Sometimes you're prone to glaze over and just kind of read through here, and it doesn't mean that much, but it means a lot in this passage of Scripture because you have to understand Matthew was an accountant. He was a tax accountant, and records were important. Accurate records were important. And he does some research, and, and this genealogy was not available to him in this form. He had to go to the temple records, and he had to meticulously trace back the genealogy of Christ, of Jesus, all the way through these generations. It, it had to take him days. But he did the research, and so we appreciate the fact that he did some work on this. Genealogies are extremely important to the Hebrew people because they had to know or wanted to know what tribe they were from. Had to do, of course, land allocations. Had to do, of course, with, with their affiliation and their identity within a tribe. And they were all very, very, uh, wanted to be knowledgeable of who their ancestors were. Now, Matthew, of course, being in the clerk type situation and that records were important and that uh, certificates were important. He wanted to show that Jesus was indeed a descendant of David because the Messiah to come was called, the favorite name for the Messiah to come in the Old Testament, the latter part of the Old Testament, was the son of David. So therefore, all the messianic promises and, and prophecies had to do with this man would be a descendant of David to rightfully sit on the throne of David forever. So, to show that Jesus was indeed a descendant of David through legal terms, through the legal branch, Matthew traces the lineage of Jesus through the father, through Joseph. If you look down at verse 16, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Notice, he says specifically, he traces it through Joseph, who was the husband of Mary. Now, you might say, well, well that's not the direct bloodline. That didn't matter to the Jewish people. We were, what we were dealing with was the father bestowed the legal status to the child. And even if he was what you might call the foster father, he was the legal, registered, recognized father of this boy. That meant that all of the rights and privileges and the pedigree would all pass down. And he traces it all the way back that up through David. Now, if you read through the book of Luke, Luke also has a genealogy in chapter 3, verse 23 through 38. Here's the differences. Matthew begins with Abraham in this genealogy. He traces all the way back through Abraham. And the reason is Matthew's audience, the ones he was writing to, was specifically Jewish people. So what he was trying to do was trace Jesus' lineage back through the very start of the nation, which would be Abraham. Trace it all the way through with David, 
and then come all the way through. What he was doing, he was speaking to the Jewish people in language they could understand the things that were important to them when it came to legalities. And Matthew was all about that because, if you remember, he was a tax accountant. Luke, if you, if you look at his genealogy, he goes all the way back to Adam. Why would he go all the way back to Adam? Luke's audience consisted mostly of Gentile, non-Jewish readers. It didn't matter to them if Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. It mattered to them that Jesus was a descendant of Adam. Because there are a lot of people who would read Luke's gospel that weren't Jewish people. They would not be descendants of Abraham. So they cannot say, well, Jesus is one of us. But when Luke traced the lineage of Jesus all the way back to Adam, everybody in the world could say, he's one of us. I'm part of his family. Because he traced it all the way back. Matthew traces David's lineage to Jesus through Solomon to Joseph. And you see that in verse um, 6. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And then he goes through. If you look at Luke's lineage, you see that's a whole different family tree because Luke traces David's lineage through his other son, Nathan. Chapter 3, verse 31 of Luke. Then it goes all the way through to Mary. Now, if you'll notice in, in Luke's lineage, Mary's name is not many, mentioned, but he does this in deference to Jewish custom. How did we know that he was tracing it through Mary? Simply because Matthew specifically says he's tracing it through Joseph. So the, this, the, the genealogy is important for this reason. Jesus was recognized as a son of David legally, through the pedigree, and this was important to the Jewish people, if they wanted to contest, well, you're not even a true son of David. Legally, through the father Joseph. Biologically, through the mother Mary. Both ways, the lineage of Jesus could be traced back to David. He was a rightful heir to the throne. It's interesting, and this, this is something that can apply to us. The angel, when he addresses Joseph, wants to be sure to remind Joseph who he is. Because it might be easy to forget who he is and who he belonged to, simply because, as I mentioned this morning, Galilee was a very despised, obscure region when it came to the pedigree Jews. And Nazareth was despised by everybody else, including the other folks in Galilee. And Joseph was a hard-working manual laborer that was a carpenter. He dealt with building things, with fixing things. It was a hard job. It was hard work, only hand tools and, and heavy beams and boards. And it would be real easy for him to forget who he is. But when the angel came to Joseph, he said, Joseph, what, listen to what he said, son of David, son of David. What he wanted to do is say, Joseph, I think you may have forgotten something. You're a child of the king, and don't forget that. Sometimes it's easy for us. Because of life and disappointments and the way things turn out and, and schedules and so forth, 
to forget who we are. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're adopted into the family. And never forget, we're children of the king. And the first thing he wanted to remind him is this, Joseph, you can lift your head up. You're a child of the king. You're royalty. You belong in the royal family. You're an heir in the royal family. And the rest of the New Testament reminds us of these truths. But I want us to look at Joseph's heartbreak. Joseph's heartbreak, of course, as we look at this, it says that before they came together, which meant before they were married, before they had ever come together, and this was an arranged marriage in that they, of course, it was an arranged marriage by the parents on both sides, and they had not yet gotten married, and she was found to be expectant. His initial conclusion would be that Mary had been unfaithful because the obvious fact was she was expectant. That, of course, was the basic fact he had to work with. Also, his heartbreak was the explanation that she gave to him, the miraculous conception. That was beyond human imagination. And so it says he was thinking about these things. And I want to mention this. This is where it ties into to this morning's sermon. He had plenty of time to think about it. Because it says as soon uh, as Mary, or soon after Mary had received the visit from the angel, she went to Elizabeth's house for three months. And a lot of scholars say, oh, she went up there to hide from all the gossips there in Nazareth. Well, I have to understand, uh, in the first part of those three months, nobody would have ever known she was expecting. Nobody would ever know the news that she had. There was no obvious evidence, the fact that she was expecting a child. And for three months, there wouldn't be. So why did she go up there? As we mentioned this morning, she went up there to share with family what God had told her. She went up there to share with Elizabeth. She went up there to, to be with them because something important had happened, and she wanted to be with family. And obviously, there was a connection between Mary and her cousin Elizabeth. She was gone for three months, and Joseph had a long time to think about it. It's pretty obvious that she had told him before she left, and, of course, he's having to mull this over. Let's look at his conflict. This is totally contrary to the character of Mary. Totally contrary. He just couldn't believe, first of all, it was contrary to, this, to, to him that Mary would ever betray him. It was contrary to anything he knew about her. This is so totally foreign. He would never expect this. But then again, when she gave him the explanation... He could not immediately dismiss the fact that said, oh, she's just telling a big, big tale to try to excuse herself. Who would ever come up with that? Can you see the conflict that he had? It was not in her character to betray him, and it was not in her character to lie to him. But now he's got both of these pieces of evidence that, that are telling him in human terms that something wrong has happened, and she's trying to cover it up, but her story was totally beyond belief. We look at his moral compass. Moral compass was this, of course. The law required when this happened that he would break off the engagement and totally dismiss the wedding. And the word put her away meant, of course, to legally divorce Mary. 
his moral compass said that this is what he ought to be doing. But also, he had godly compassion. He wanted to do the right thing, but the right thing could involve Mary being publicly disgraced. And he did not want to do that. Notice what it said. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he wanted to do the right thing. And not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. So we understand his moral compass said he must do this, but his godly compassion said, but I've got to do it in a way where it will not hurt Mary. So his solution was to be faithful to God's law with mercy, kindness, and consideration for Mary. That's, that's what he decided to do. And when you see this, you come to the conclusion, you don't want to miss this, the foster father of Jesus was a reflection of the heavenly father. Where do we get that? Look in Psalms chapter 86. Psalms chapter 86. Verse 15. Psalm chapter 86, verse 15. See if this sounds exactly like Joseph. Psalm chapter 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and look at this, abundant in mercy. I think the King James, I like what the King James says, plenteous in mercy, abundant in mercy. Wow. David's saying this about God. But when you look at Joseph, when he had all these options at his disposal and had to do something and could have operated on pure emotion and made her a public example and made a circus out of it, he responded in the most merciful way that he could think of. He wanted to do it right, but do it the right way. You know, sometimes there's a wrong way to do the right thing. And he wanted to make sure to do the right thing the right way. The third thing we notice here, and I think this is important to us, because I always want to see, where does this, where does this tie up into our life? Well, look very closely in verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son. You call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They will call his name Emmanuel being translated, God with us. Now, we read this, and rightfully so, our attention is riveted on this. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a son. You'll call his name Jesus. But back up a few words, and it says, but watch this, while he thought on these things, the answer came. Here's the principle. Don't miss this one. God reveals his answers 
for those who care enough to stop and think it through. He could have operated on emotion and handled this like that. What's there to think about, Joseph? What's there to do? But it said he thought on these things. And he took time to think it through. To make sure he was making the right decision. When we care enough to think things through, when we come to decisions and problems and circumstances, before we act, all these questions unanswered, God is happy to reveal his answers to us when we will stop and think it through. My, what news he received. We'll just sum it up. Joseph, Mary's explanation is true. Now that was a big relief because what did that mean? If Mary's explanation is true, Mary's heart is true too. Wow, what a load off of Joseph. What a load. Everything that he had agonized over, everything that had broken his heart, all that was just swept away. And that one statement, Joseph, it's true. Her, her explanation is true. And her heart is true too. Don't be afraid. You can trust her. Because you trust God. Joseph believed the messages and obeyed the instructions. You see, the reason Joseph agonized over these things was because, of course, he was concerned about God's approval. He wanted to do the right thing. Once he got God's approval, Joseph, her explanation is true. Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. Once he received God's approval, that's all that mattered. That's all that was needed, regardless of the opinions of others. And I'm sure everybody in Nazareth had an opinion. And a lot of the opinions would be some to embarrass Joseph. They, a lot of people wouldn't understand. Joseph would look bad in the eyes of a lot of people, but Joseph didn't care because he had God's approval. And Joseph provides a home consistent with God's principles. There are several things that we know of concerning this. Later on in the book of Luke, when they take uh, Jesus to be named the eighth day, of course, that's in accordance with God's law. And then when they go back in the temple and they encounter Simeon, and, and of course the other elderly lady there, two times it says, and they went to the temple to do the things, watch this, according to the law. His home was being operated and consistent with God's principles. Twelve years later, it says, now Jesus' family went to the Passover every year. You know what that was? That was in accordance with God's instructions. Every year, when it was time to be in God's house, Joseph was there. And the things needed to be done according to the law, Joseph was there. Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, was a reflection of the heart of the heavenly father because he was kind and compassionate and merciful. But when it came to the law, what was right, and what God wanted, he followed it to the best of his ability. 
Now you know why God chose this man in the most obscure corner of the Hebrew nation to be the one to provide a home for the infant, Jesus Christ. Is there anything before we close?